We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company. Coming at you Tuesday night. It's April 18th, and I figured we'd squeeze in one more pod here before game two. I just got back from Wolves practice, so the plan today is to play a few clips from Chris Finch and the players uh, from practice. It was our first time talking to the team uh, since post game on Sunday night, so I guess we'll set the scene a little bit with that. Pretty much just jump through relevant uh, clips from practice, then the second part, and the much longer part of this episode, will be uh, my appearance with uh, John Krasinski on the DNVR Nuggets pod. Uh, John and I talked with Adam Mares and Harrison Wynn, who cover the Nuggets for DNVR. I've had Adam and Harrison on the show before, and you might have heard me on their show before, so I think you'll you'll recognize them. I think I think it's it's good to talk to people uh, who are looking at this series through a different lens than you know myself or Chris or Jace or Britt. And, you know, I think that can be helpful. I, the, the conversation for me was helpful and just kind of poking some holes in what my logic is because they more so know the logic uh, coming from the Denver side. So we'll get to that. But let's uh, let's start with practice. We talked with Finch, Torian Prince and Anthony Edwards today. And if there was a theme from practice, it was physicality, as you'll hear from Ant here. The team feels like they got they got punked in game one. You said you guys can't can't lose game two. What's the biggest thing that has to happen that will allow you to, to so win? We gotta be physical. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we gotta play more physical. They was bumping us all over the floor. Um, yeah, they kind they really pumped this game one. I would say so. Yeah, we gotta come out, get some hard fouls or something. You know, get get the game going. In ways, you saw the the physicality show up on the stat sheet. Denver had eleven offensive rebounds, which is decent, but they did miss forty nine shots. So. It, it wasn't like the Wolves got totally beat up on the glass. Uh, Denver, I think it, maybe the physicality showed up a little bit more on the offensive side of the floor, and Denver just got deeper with their offense. They took 25 shots at the rim, while the Wolves only took 13. But I think what's the physicality is more about what the that the Wolves weren't physical than it was Denver being overwhelmingly physical. It's I think it's it's less so about what Denver did to them, and more so about the physical things the Wolves didn't do. The Wolves only took 13 shots at the rim in that game. They only grabbed five offensive rebounds. Cleaning the glass says the Wolves only got offensive rebounds on 12.5% of their missed shots. The only time during the regular season the Wolves out 
offensive rebounded at a worse rate than that was against San Antonio and Houston, two teams they did not take seriously. I mean, it's a delicate you know, balance with this team, right? We've, we've been talking about kind of repeatedly, even going back to the Thunder game, that balance of offensive rebounding versus getting back. But I would say the Wolves are at their best when they are offensive rebounding at a high clip, if they can balance that with the transition defense. I think most of us would agree the best games of the season they played, if you isolate for the games that both Towns and Gobert played in, were that win in Indiana way back in November, right before Cat got hurt, and then the play-in game against OKC. The Wolves' best offensive rebounding game of the season from a number standpoint was that Indiana game, and then I think we also felt that force of size in the Thunder game. But it's the question, right? What is the balance in game two of crashing the offensive glass versus getting back in transition? Uh, here's what Finch had to say on that topic at practice today. Transition defense and crashing the boards in that dynamic. Do you double down on crashing the boards and try to limit transition? Well, we didn't do we didn't do either the other day. I mean, we didn't get we didn't get rebounds with our we, uh, you know, we missed enough shots. Like, I mean, you know, we're, we, at times this year, kind of punted on offensive rebounding to get back in transition. I mean, having watched the tape, the transition defense was related to the extreme number of shots we missed. We missed so many shots, and we had, obviously had those turnovers in the third, which killed us. But we missed so many shots, they just gave them time and time and time and time again to run. So, first thing we gotta do to help our transition defense is we gotta make more shots. That's the thing, right? I mean, that's what Jason and I were talking about on the last episode, simply making more shots. It seems overly simplified, but if they do, that leads to less transition opportunities. I mean, it was the Wolves' least efficient offensive game of the season in game one. They had 75 points on 85 possessions before garbage time kicked in there in the fourth quarter. I mean, the Wolves also missed five shots at the rim. They missed 15 shots from that floater range on the floor, four shots from normal mid-range. They missed eight threes from the corner and 22 missed threes overall. I mean, it was it was a disproportionate level of misses for this team in that game. I mean, the Wolves weren't an overall efficient offense during the regular season, largely because they didn't get to the free throw line much. They turned it over a lot, didn't take a ton or make a ton of threes during the regular season. But in terms, in the regular season, in terms of the frequency in which they put the ball in the basket, the Wolves did it at a high clip. They were third in the NBA in overall field goal percentage during the regular season. Simply putting the ball in the basket, even if it's twos, helps this team in that they don't have to then play defense and transition off of a missed shot. I looked it up. Denver got out in transition on 36% of the Wolves' missed shots in game one. And on those possessions, on average, Denver scored 1.5 points per possession. I mean, that is a problem. The Wolves got to put the ball in the basket more often to stop that. It's kind of that simple, as Finch said. So why did they not put the ball in the basket enough? That's that's maybe the bigger question. And here's Finch's answer to that from practice. Hey, Chris, when you looked at kind of going over the offense and the shot selection from game one, what, where do you think are ways to just kind of improve that? And maybe how much of it was just the selection, decision-making, kind of that, that stuff that you got to Yeah, I thought early in the game, we, we, we wanted it to come easy. And we took a lot of shots that we had really worked for. Just kind of get them up. Some of it might have been kind of nerves or trying to settle into the game or see the ball go in. So we just kind of calmed down. Uh, that was one, you know, and I, I don't think we held, uh, dealt with their switching very well. Um, you know, so that, that was another way. And just in general, like 
you know, just too, again, it's been it's, it's it's been an issue at times. Just way too much holding and surveying, and we need more movement for the sake of movement right now. Does that holding come from uncertainty or like just kind of wondering where guys are going to be, or what do you what do you get? It, I think it comes from uh, guys wanting to kind of get into their bag and kind of get themselves going. Uh, not in in a, in a necessarily un, not in a selfish way, but in like. I want to put my mark on this type of thing. So, yeah. So what Finch is really saying there is Cat and Ant have to get theirs in the flow and doing that by playing off of each other. If Cat posts up, posts up, it's got to be quick. It's got to be decisive. It's got to look to score or pass kind of immediately. You know, if Ant is being used in pick and roll, he actually has to use the screen, not reject it and isolate because that's when it gets sticky. I mean, they need to play off of each other. And however they decide to do that, obviously Finch didn't give us like the whole game plan, but whatever the game plan is, they have to do it fast. Ant made it sound like at practice that Cat will kind of, again, be the focal point of the offense. And and then for Ant, it, it's up to him to effectively play off of Cat. Uh, here's Ant. Ant, you guys have been able to score in the paint this whole season. What does it take in a, when you get at this playoff level against a team like Denver to score in the paint? Um, play through Big Cat, uh, you know, and um, see what they do with him. And after that, we just make our plays after that. What's the best way for you to play off of Cat if you're playing through him, you individually? Um, I just got I got to figure out ways, you know, um, you know, catching goals when he hit me, um, cut out, get out of his way when he want me to cut, um, you know, and just be that be that guy when he swings the ball, be ready to catch and shoot, and like I said, catch and go. That's where we're at, right? Uh, with this team as currently constructed and as injured as it is, and then as good as Denver is, you need big performances from Cat and Ant, and it has to come within the flow. And obviously, around that, the role players got to do their part. You need to make spot shots around Cat and Ant. I, I really think about Torian Prince in this matchup. Like I envision, in when I view, picture a, a close game two, I picture like five made threes from Torian Prince. In addition, you know, what we've been talking about, the, the Conley and Anderson, like they got to give you their offensive game within the flow, that pick and roll we saw in game one. And then for Rudy, you know, like we said, he needs to be a weapon on defense. My guess would be that all three of those things happen if the Wolves are able to pull off an upset in game two. This team, it, it's not impossible that this team has weirdly bounced back from terrible losses. They've done it. They've done that. That's the one thing they've done really well all year. They have a way about them that allows them to forget. They keep the mood light. Finch said that's the same way it feels right now. I'll play you that quote, and then we'll wrap things up. The mood? Yeah, we have a great mood. Yeah. Our team's been in the same mood all season, regardless. You know, Whether we're winning, losing, or punching each other, it doesn't matter. We're in the same mood. So, so. Well, there you go. Same mood. Uh, we'll, we'll take a quick break here. And then the rest of this episode will be my conversation with John Krasinski from The Athletic and Adam Mares and Harrison Wind from DNVR Sports. And then I will be back to talk to you after game two. Today's show is brought to you by Land and Lore. If you're a dude who is still washing your face using a bar of soap or nothing at all, this one is for you. It's time to stop living like a caveman and start taking care of yourself with Land and Lore, the only men's skincare brand that doesn't suck. Let's face it, if you don't look good, you don't feel good. And if you don't feel good, you're not going to do good. So start your day off like you care and use Land and Laura. Your partner will thank you. 
And we'll be proud of you for at least trying. Fans of the podcast have even more reason to start caring. Use promo code 20CAVEMAN at checkout on Amazon.com to get 20% off our face cleaner or moisturizer. And extra credit if you leave a review. That's 20CAVEMAN for 20% off land and lore at Amazon.com. These two products are proven to help you look your best. So upgrade your life with land and lore today. Your face and your partner will thank you for it. Today's show is brought to you by Falling Knife Brewing Company, and I wanted to let you know that Falling Knife will be staying open late on Wednesday night to show the Wolves game to another one of their Wolves watch parties. The weather is not going to be great on Wednesday, so they're not going to get the TV truck out there. I know a lot of you have been going and watching the game there, watching out on the patio uh, in their parking lot. I'm going to skip that for Wednesday's game. That'll be back uh, on Friday for game three, but still uh, for Wednesday, no that they will be open late showing the game and that there are still the two projector screens in the tap room there. They'll obviously have the sound on. And I just think uh, this is a game that you're going to want to watch with other people to, you know, as I always say, celebrate or commiserate. So know the Falling Knife is an option on Wednesday night for watching game two. That's Falling Knife Brewing Company in Northeast Minneapolis. What is up, everybody, and welcome into the Denver Sports Podcast, also the DNVR Nuggets Podcast. Excited to have you here. We have a nice little roundtable panel for you today as we break down games one and look ahead to game two of the Denver Nuggets Minnesota Timberwolves series. I've got my main, my left-hand man over here, Harrison Wynn. <laughs> How'd you pick me to be on this show instead of uh, Vote and D-Line? I'm not going to get those guys on here. Come on, man. Are you <laughs> kidding me? This is like, you know... Um, when you have like you're trying to make an impression, you know, you're like there's certain friends you invite around and certain friends wow. you're like I, don't I want, hope they don't, I don't want the relatives. To this. <laughs> to, they're not. Don't worry about it. Um, but that's you, of course. All right, I'll and take then, it. And then over here, actually, the other reason is because somebody said we look alike. Did you see that comment come through? I didn't see that. Somebody said Dane is the Minnesota Harrison <laughs> and John looks like the Minnesota Adam. <laughs> and I got to be honest, I kind of see it. I yeah. Kinda, Maybe a little oh, bit, I guess. A little, bunch a bunch of good-looking guys up here. That's yeah. right. Good-looking guys. Over here, you guys know him. He's been on the show multiple times from the Dane Moore Basketball Podcast. It's Dane Moore. What's up, man? Thank you for having me. I got to come back and face the music. I, I think last <laughs> time I was here, I said the Wolves, or the Nuggets were a good matchup for the Wolves. It's so, so funny. <laughs> you me. definitely said you that. You said that, yeah. and then also, it's funny because... Harrison <laughs> tweeted it like six times afterwards <laughs> I did that not. I said that. Yes, he did. Have you noticed Harrison is a sneaky, like... He starts Asshole, fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> On Twitter, he'll start a little fight. Just like, well, Dane said they were a good matchup. I don't know. I'm just reporting facts. <laughs> I'm just promoting the show. Uh, and then, of course, from The Athletic, we have John Krasinski. Hey, what's up, guys? Good to be here. Thanks for coming on. So yeah. the Nuggets take a commanding 1-0 lead with a 30-point, a 29-point blowout win in game one. And, you know, we've given our sort of perspectives on these. Um, first of all, were you surprised? Part of me looks at this and goes, Denver was on a week rest and they were playing, you know, they didn't have any real games for the last like five weeks. And Minnesota was coming off of a pretty strenuous week lead in the lead up to it. So, Dane, I'll start with you. Were you surprised by how the game went in game one? I, I thought it every game in this series kind of has the chance that Denver is just going to get on one of those blitz you for a quarter type of situations. I mean, the Wolves biggest issue with the the Townsend Gobert pairing is transition defense and we saw that through the regular season that 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 can explode at at a time so the only way I thought that it was going to be competitive is if they were going to be able to really avoid that which I mean in the first half they did the first half wasn't certainly wasn't as bad as as the game uh, overall 
obviously fatigue's somewhat of a factor there. I have kind of little compassion for that because it's the playoffs. But acknowledge it. I mean, Rudy's dinged up. Ant, hard to say. Um, he, he was fatigued in the play-in games. He's team's also coming off an illness, and he had an ankle injury and stuff like that. But it's a playoff, so I'm, I'm, I'm not going to play that excuse card too much, I don't think. I think it's fair, but at the same time acknowledging that it's sort of like is a thing. Yeah. And um, what about you, John? Were you surprised? I guess the only thing, uh, what I underestimated, and certainly talking to the guys after the game, was I do think that they were emotionally taxed yeah. going into that game. Right. You, you had the, the Rudy, emotional. Yeah. You, you had the Rudy Kyle thing the, a week True. that they a week prior that they <laughs> had right. to kind yeah. of survive. Then that you had tough Laker game, overtime game. You had the emotional win against Oklahoma City just to save your season, and so. I do think that factored into it. I think they were a little out of gas. Now, what I will say about that is they have no one to blame but themselves for that. Right, they put well. themselves in that position by being underachieving during the regular season and being stuck in a position where you needed to win high leverage games down the stretch and you had all of this pressure on you. And so they kind of were put in that position themselves. But I do think, as you said, Adam, I, I think it was a factor in especially in the second half just kind of getting run out of the building and and not playing well at all i i think this can be a competitive series um but certainly was nothing competitive about game one i feel like the play-in is so emotionally and physical physically draining it's like game seven it's yeah yeah winner winner go home you know the nba doesn't have any type of series like that obviously it's oh just you just one wait game. until the mid-season tournament <laughs> <laughs> just 82 games and then it just comes down to one or two games like that is so intense um i i'm with you guys with that well but we would have said the same thing if yeah. the wolves would have won we would have been like that's why they won because yeah. they were yeah. so locked in yeah. and like and the nuggets were doing they were chilling for a week. The Nuggets didn't that. know like, who they were going to play yeah, yeah. yeah. this yeah. is the thing about narrative is they often are ascribed to an outcome and they're like no less true, right? I mean, mm -hmm. they're almost just like, well, they lost because, mm -hmm. to your point, it could have been any number of things. Um, I will say this. Do you? I'll start with you on this one, John. Would you say that the Wolves played poorly in Game One, or the Nuggets played well? How would you? Which one do you think is more true? You know, the the funny thing is, is like especially through the first half, you looked at the way Jokic was playing, and he controlled the game, no question. But I think you looked at it from a Wolves perspective and said, not bad. Like you didn't get completely absolutely dominated by the best player in this series. And so um, I do think that uh, the Nuggets played well, but not great. Mm. And I think that also the Wolves played really poorly. Um, Rudy, whether it's the back or whether it's the Nuggets spacing or whether it, like he just was really ineffective. Has he looked this stiff all year? Uh, the, last, the last week or so when the back, yeah, really? since the back came up, he really isn't. But even in the prior, earlier in the season, he wasn't, like a, a really moving around dominantly like you saw in, against Utah or while he was with Utah. When was the first time you heard about a back injury? Well, he, he so he missed the backs with the before back game 82 before game 82 hmm. before. So this isn't a seasons long thing. This was a this was a recent. OK, they occurrence. had a back to back game 81, 82. They're in Austin to play the Spurs. And then the next day they had the Pelicans game, which was the which was the the Rudy Kyle, the Rudy Kyle fight, fight too, right, right. which I think actually the back was a factor in that. Like Rudy wouldn't, if that wasn't game eighty two, he he wouldn't he have played. played in that game, mm, right? Um, so there's yeah, but that's that's when it picked up. And then he he plays a lot in that game, plays a lot, 
well, doesn't play in the Lakers game. He said he wouldn't have played in that Lakers game had he not been suspended and then did play in the, in the Thunder game as well, too, and talked about that kind of tightening up mm -hmm. after yep. the final play in game two. So the back's yep. for sure a thing. Yep. I mean, you and, could yeah. tell yeah. Yeah. in game one, like he could not really move that Couldn't ball. get down the court. Yeah. Like, and that that's, I mean, transition defense is a struggle for them with the two bigs, but especially when Rudy is slow getting down the court and getting beat to the offensive glass. But then, you know, then also from, from the Wolves' perspective, like Carl Anthony Towns, if he's going to go two for 11 through three quarters, right. like they have no chance. And, and some of the shot selection wasn't great, but also there were some wide open good looks that he makes in his sleep. Yeah. Does, and, and he didn't make it. So there are a few things that the Wolves can kind of cross their fingers and cling to that will be better, that they hope will be better in game two that would tighten the gap but there's obviously a, a huge gap to be narrowed here michael malone by the way referenced carl anthony towns shots today and then we talked about it on the pod too that and i'm with you he gets he draws some foul trouble you have an advantage and you think oh no here's danger and then he takes like two or three threes yep. in a row and you're like what are you doing man yep. go at the rim nobody wants to foul you're gonna mm -hmm. get a layups but so i think some of that both the shot selection and the efficiency will change in game two just because i know i've seen towns make buckets including at ball arena but the other thing you said that's interesting, because we just got back from Denver Nuggets practice, you talked about containing Jokic. I actually thought Jokic was great in the first half, but this every he's always great in different ways. And, the, and today, what he said that was so interesting was he said, yeah, I don't think I'm going to post up much this series. This isn't a series for me to post up. And I think that's where you most feel like if he's having a good or bad game, because he's on the post scoring or passing. And he just is like, that's not an area that he feels. Am I misquoting this? That's not an area he feels where he's going to be this series. Yeah. No, that's that's about what he said. He also said he doesn't expect to see a lot of double teams, he said. Which I thought is interesting. One, I thought the Nuggets kind of shared more than usual. Michael Mullen said exactly what he expects from Minnesota in game two, like 30 minutes ago. Go, he, go through him. He said more Towns post-ups. Yeah. He said more Anthony Edwards pick and roll. Right. And he also said more Kyle Anderson, Mike Conley pick and roll. Right, which I actually think those are three of the things like they're broadcasting that they're watching for. I would flip that in order if I was the Wolves. I would mm -hmm. say Mike Conley, Kyle Anderson pick and roll was the best and only good offense the Wolves ran in that game. Rudy was off the floor, so Carl spaced right. to the corner. Yep. Yeah, It opens up that entire floater area for Conley and Anderson to work where they're so good. Rudy eats up that space a lot of the time when he's in the dunker. So I think that's a, a main priority. And you just got to get going. Right, right. I don't know if pick and roll is the way they will do that because Rudy, as John knows, like Rudy and Ant have developed zero, zero. pick and roll chemistry <clears throat> over the course of the season. That's just not really a thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, in a normal circumstance, like I mean, when we were here last time, we were watching the, the Nuggets Blazers game and Dame and the Blazers were just cooking Jokic and with that high pick and roll and they were just setting that screen so high and Dame's just coming downhill barreling at Jokic and that's what I would love to see Ant do in this game but the Wolves don't do that that will be if they do that that will be some of the first times we've ever seen Ant go bare in, in that sort of way and then the Towns thing I disagree with I think that makes the offense sticky um mm. and and I I just I don't think it's a matchup where I mean Gordon guards him well I don't yeah. think that's how you get the overall offense really flowing as is so important. I think part of that, I don't know if Malone just said this or if it's something we talked about, but I think they're also expecting maybe splitting up Towns and Gobert that a little more. That has to happen. Yeah. But well, they don't do it often. That's yeah. They don't do it often, but it has to be a case because like, you can just see, especially in this series, 
how the two of them slow everything down so much. And they worked wonderfully against OKC when you're facing a bunch of 6'6 guys in the front court and you can just beat them up. That's just sure. not going to happen in this series. So. I will say, though, to your point, Dane, about, you know, they don't do a lot of this, right? The pick and roll that you're talking about, the high pick and rolls. This is the playoffs, though, because last year the Warriors did not run pick and roll. They're not a pick and roll team. They were off screens and everything else. Against the Nuggets, they just ran pick and roll. And so I do think there's this sense of even if that's not your personality, sometimes you match up, hey, this is what Yoke struggles with, so we're just going to go with it and see what happens. And that's why I do anticipate that they will actually get to this, even if you don't have a lot of reference for it. And then I don't know how you guys feel, but it did seem like Towns, after the game, he talked about them all knowing the plays, and it almost felt a little bit like a shot at the coaching staff or more of a like, hey, I don't know, man, they have us scouted, we need to be more clever. Jokic actually shouted out Chris Finch at the presser today saying that he likes their offense and how simple it yeah. is. He's like, there's a lot of reads you get to make, but there's the freedom to make those reads or some something of that, that extent. So I say all that to say, oftentimes, you guys experience this, a quote will come out, and I know people will interpret that as, this team is so dumb or this or that. All teams make adjustments in the playoffs that are uncharacteristic. They play lineups they've never played before. Yeah, I, and I mean, I, I'll say, like, I think Finch would love to coach Jokic in his offense, <laughs> right, like, right. because, like, that's the kind of cerebral player that really excels in a in a free flowing. Uh, so offense. why Kyle's been so good? Exactly. Why mm. Kyle? Why Conley? I think it, it has his moments. Um, I think that sometimes, if there is a criticism of Chris Finch this this season, it has been some of the players need more structure mm. in in times when you are just not making good decisions when the reads are not coming naturally and you got to just hey let's get towns in this spot where he's comfortable and make it let's get anthony edwards going right. in a way and 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 i think chris finch likes to let the players play off of their instincts and go that way um, and yeah, Jokic would be tremendous uh, in in a in a situation like that. But some of the players I don't know are as equipped to handle all of that responsibility and freedom um, as well as others are so far. I'll jump on that too. I mean, I think it's a a group that you have some really high basketball IQ players and mm -hmm. some players who are independent creators, right? And and the the high basketball IQ guys the fluidity of a flow offense is what you know is what gets them going what i think the wolves run into all the time is that juxtaposition of isolation heavy players like ant and cat versus wanting an overall flow and that's when it gets you just lock up and and they scored 12 points in the fourth quarter against the lakers they scored 14 mm. points in the third quarter against the nuggets i mean it that has been the the conflict offense. I mean, this team was 23rd in offensive rating this season. That mm -hmm. that is a systemic, right. like offensive system issue. Even with all the injuries and, and, and stuff they had, it just doesn't all fit well together in terms of offense. And what offense often bails them out is elite shot making. Yep. Where it is Carl who is able to. I mean, he could obviously shoot it at, at an elite level, or surrounding players like Torian Prince or whoever blowing up. From from three point, but so often it gets it gets bogged down. And I I just want to say to the to the town's point of why he shot so bad. In my opinion, it's because he guarded Jokic. Wears him out a little. It it's a meant it mentally right. messes with right. as it because Jokic is gonna. It's, that's not even a really an indictment on Carl. Jokic is gonna get his against anybody. So then if Jokic is going at Carl plus Carl misses his first two shots, then there's some of this pressing there. And I think 
Carl is too good of a shooter to have that type of performance. So you have to point at something. And I think, I think it was a bad idea to have Carl Anthony Towns get cooked again, as anyone would against Jokic, and then expect him to like wash that away and offensively be able to go do his thing on the other side of the floor. I mean, I'm, I'm putting Gobert on Jokic first possession of the game. And the only other time, the only other person who ever guards Jokic is Kyle Anderson. That, that's what I Yeah, mean. it's so the fatigue part of that is so important. I mean, we saw it with Jokic in the last couple of years, sure. and it sucks from a narrative standpoint because you're watching, like, in that Sun series, Jokic is guarding every possession. He's out on screens. You see him working around. And then it's like, well, look, he offensively now he's lost a step. And it's like, hey, it's a real thing that I think is mm-hmm. underappreciated. And it's also something with Jamal Murray this year that why I expect a lot out of him is he has the best defensive sidekick he's ever had and the least defensive responsibility, mm-hmm. at least in almost every matchup, certainly in this one. So you expect him to be more rested and on the other side. Let's take our first break, though. On the other side, I want to come back to your point about Kyle Anderson and Mike Conley pick and rolls. Because while I agree that that is a good option, I actually think that the success they had could be a false success that would encourage me if they went to it a little bit more. We'll talk about that on the other side. All right. This episode of TDSP brought to you by Illegal Pete's. It's grad season, guys. Grad parties. Maybe you're hosting one. Maybe you're going to it. Cater with Illegal Pete's. Catering.illegalpeats.com. Don't worry about pulling an all-nighter right before your grad party, cooking food, or you don't you don't know where to order from. Get it taken care of ahead of time with Illegal Pete's. They got great catering options, all your favorites from there. Catering.illegalpeats.com. That's where to go. Uh, it's grad season, so burritos, tacos, nachos. You know everything uh, Illegal Pete's has. Catering.illegalpeats.com. Also, if you want uh, Nuggets tickets, game two, Wednesday night, check out the Game Time app. Um, they've got great tickets, courtside, first uh, level for great prices as well. Um, don't go messing around with all those other third party sites. Just use the Game Time app and use code DNVR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply, but $44 again, tickets for this game, which is kind of crazy, man, for tomorrow night's game on it's Game cheap. Time. That's 44, cheap for a playoff 46. Game. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, download the Game Time app, create an account, use code DNVR, get twenty dollars off that purchase. You'd be going to uh, Game Two for cheap. Um, last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Uh, that's the Game Time app. Snap, snag your tickets with them. Don't stress about it. Again, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code DNVR. Twenty dollars off your first purchase. Hundred dollars for lower level ones. I feel like that's that's crazy. That is for a the cheapest. Ticket? Of the last couple of years, for sure. Did you see the Sacramento ticket prices? Did you see the prices oh, for that game? A thousand bucks yeah, each. They, like, they were more expensive in. than Golden State. How? Why games. is that? Just because the demand. fan base? Yeah, there's de- just demand. Like, yeah, demand. I mean, Sacramento's wild. Th- they have not. They haven't had anything forever there. I mean, yeah. the thirst to get back in, and then you're playing stuff and the Warriors. Only oh show in town too, and they just have a cool basketball culture awesome. there, man. Like they really, everybody always claims best fans for whatever. I actually think they're the best fans. Oh, I think it's Sacramento Kings fans, no yeah. doubt. There, there's definitely up there. Um, all right, so you like in game two an adjustment of maybe going to Mike Conley pick and roll with you give me go Bear or Towns. I do think that that gives problems. Here's my thing with Kyle Anderson. I love Kyle Anderson by the way. I'm a big fan. We want him on the Nuggets. Actually. Yeah, we. He's like a guy. He's like one of those guys <laughs> yeah. you covet. They're not going to beat Denver with Kyle Anderson push shots or Mike Conley push shots. Denver scores at such a high clip at all times when Jokic is on the court that you have to beat him in a way that's either going to put pressure on him defensively to move or fouls him out, or scores at a high level. Not going to f- foul him out, and I just don't think you're going to score at a high level. You'll get good looks. But again, Jokic-Murray offense versus 
push shots versus Kyle Anderson rolling to the basket, he'll make some. I just don't think he'll make nearly enough. Well, I mean, I think like that's why they're gonna lose. This is why the Wolves (laughs) are gonna lose the series. I mean, that's why. There's yeah. There's two things. That one is like yeah. It it can't be like your only like the your bread and butter of the series. But what we have seen Chris Finch do time and again this since the trade deadline is when this offense struggles. It's the ball is either in Kyle Anderson's hands or Mike Conley's hands to get a good shot to stop a 14 point quarter from happening and make that. 22 points in the quarter and tread water to me like the only way that the, the the wolves have a chance of winning this series is if they have two of the three best players in the series cat mm. and ant are right. number two and number three on the pecking order in the series in terms of production in terms of all of that it is a realistic scenario if anthony edwards is healthy and right and going that is a feasible thing but it's also a very big uphill climb um, to where they're at right now and the way that they are playing. Like, so if we're talking the entire series and having a chance to be the first eight to beat a one since 2011, that's the way that you do it. Um, but if you're just ch- in terms of stopping the bleeding that happens so often with yeah. this team, it's it's a Mike Kyle run some things, get a good shot, and just calm everybody down a little bit. It's a good Band-Aid. Yep. Uh, but also what I would push back on a little bit too is I like Towns in the corner. Sure. And if you do get to the point where – and Conley and Andrew, I agree, obviously, the floater's not like going to be a highly productive shot over the course of time. But if they make a handful of them and you need to start bringing a third guy into that action, then Carl – would yeah. be more open in the corner. If you can get some Carl corner threes out of that with like Anderson finding him on the short roll in that way, I mean, I think that's where you open some stuff up. But yeah, like your main like diet of offense cannot be Mike Conley and Kyle Anderson pick and roll. You have, but I just think I would never bring a guy off of the shooters in that scenario. Even no, Towns, it doesn't matter because again, in a certain pick and roll, so let's just say Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert pick and roll. You might give up the layup, or actually Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert. You might get Anthony Edwards to the cup getting layups, and that's like, yeah, this is bad. He's going to make these every time. And you might get the lob where it's a dunk. They're going to make that every single time. If it's Mike Conley, I just feel like you don't have to step up. If he's going to shoot the floater, he'll make half of them. And the same thing for Kyle Anderson, where he went like four for four yesterday and the good part of that. As good as you could have been, and I was just like, it's fine. like Whatever. And you're right that it is good to go to that to stop the bleeding or get a shot. I just am I rough on this in your opinion? Do you fear that combination? No, but I'm with those guys in thinking like it can give Minnesota some rhythm and like that's something they didn't have at all in yeah. that game. Rhythm's that was the word. only time when they found that rhythm was yeah. those, you know, those couple possessions in a row when they got that floater. I I think um trying to get Anthony Edwards going has to key. be a move. I agree. I mean, what does that what does that look like? Like h- how would Minnesota get him going potentially in game 2? Transition. Yep, yeah. get him out in transition, get some stops and get him going that way. The 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 real troubling thing I think from a Wolves perspective is since he had this shoulder issue that has come up, the the thing that makes him breathtaking and makes him such a tough cover is he gets to his left hand and he goes downhill and he finishes with his mm. left and he seems a lot more tentative going that way with this thing that he is battling. And we don't know exactly what it is, and to his credit, he has not used that as any kind of excuse Love that so far. It's been great. But you see it. He's wearing a T-shirt under his right. jersey that he never does. He's got it all taped up. And anytime he goes to the left-hand dribble, it is not with as much force 
as he has normally has there. And That's interesting. Time and time again, when he is at his best, he is crossing someone up, euroing to the left, and finishing acrobatically with the left. And he just doesn't seem to be in, inviting as much contact right now with that, and he doesn't seem to trust that as much. And we saw last year in the, in the Memphis series, especially game one, um, when he is on fire, like you, you can't do anything with him. But we have not seen him get to that level in quite a while now. It's we've, been a we've long almost time. also never seen him do that while Rudy Gobert is on the floor. True, mm, or, yeah. or it has been so sparse over yep. the the course of the season. I mean, the best ant moments of this season have come with Nas Reed on the floor as the big, mm. and then it's more space. I mean, ant whether if there's a big rim protector at the rim, he'll be hesitant to go all the way to the rim. Or if there's just more bodies in the paint, Wolves' bodies, he'll be more hesitant to go to the rim. So in this this series, you don't have a strong rim protector on, on the floor in that sort of way, so he should be able to get going. But I think Gobert is or certainly in game one, and I think going forward, will just his presence there in the lane deters Ant from really being intentional, intentional about, about getting downhill. I mean... I don't think Rudy can play high 30s. Well, do you think there's any chance that he gets either benched or just never plays with Ant? (laughs) That is just like, we're never going to pair these guys. We haven't seen that much yet, but I mean, like Chris Finch has shown that he will make adjustments that way. I mean, he benched D'Angelo Russell down the stretch in game six in Memphis. He did sit Rudy against Brooklyn Mm -hmm. on the road when they were rolling with a smaller lineup. Um, If pushed to the absolute max, maybe. But I do think that Finch has been very reluctant to part from that and, or to, any, to do anything that would intimate that Rudy is the problem. And like he's been, for whatever reason, very protective of, of the Rudy thing. And certainly he's, he's said time and time again he believes in the Rudy Cat thing. So they really want to make this work. But Do you I think mean, the players believe in it? No. No, no, not at all. Is this a point of friction? You think it's, on the season? And here's what I've said like the whole time, it, especially coming off of the Kyle thing. Like the players don't hate Rudy. Like this is not a Jimmy Butler cat situation, dysfunctional locker room at all. There's just I think an uncertainty and a and a kind of frustration about how do I play with this guy who is so unique. Right, and that takes a while and. Um, there are, you know, the guys who do like Mike Conley has played with Rudy for a long time. So he understands right. how impactful Rudy can be. Right. And but, Kyle's been his best partner all year yeah. too. And I, Kyle ironically. and another high, high IQ yeah. guy who I mean, recognizes we're a theme it. here, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like the other guys either are unfamiliar or do not maybe appreciate what Rudy can do or how to make that happen as well. And they just haven't seen him dominate like right. that and that's been that's been a hard thing for this team I think. Put him on Jokic, see if he can give Jokic problems in the first quarter and then roll with the energy from that. Yes. I, yeah. I think you need to go in before you even think about like in a significant way bagging Gobert. You got to try and weaponize him right. on both sides of the floor. I I think that's on Jokic defensively and then you got to try and run pick and roll with him as the screener on the offensive side of the floor and if you don't get anything going there then yeah, now Now we're stuck with the Band-Aid of Kyle Anderson and Mike Conley pick and roll. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app, and Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I feel like I'm stressed every time I'm wanting to buy tickets to a Twins game or a concert in town, and I'm stressed because 
I don't know if I'm getting a good deal or not. And with the Game Time app, I feel confident, even if it's last minute, that I've purchased my tickets at a fair rate. And that's because of their best price guarantee. So if you're looking for tickets to one of these final Wolves home games, check out the Game Time app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy, so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're good. And tickets are sent directly to your phone, so no need to dig through your emails. So snag tickets without stress with the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code DaneMore for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use the code DaneMore, all one word, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Gotcha. What do you? What else do you think with Game 2 as we kind of look ahead now? What are some other things that you anticipate to be storylines? I mean, like one thing that is way down the list or whatever, but like I think is really important for them is they got to have guys like Torian Prince make shots. I mean, you know, like he missed all four of his threes, I think. Um, and and when this offense does click, it is drive, kick, swing, swing, find Prince in a, in a, with an open look in the corner on the wing, and he knocks those down. And, you know, it, it's, it feels kind of dangerous to say, well, to have a chance, Torian Prince has to show up. Or, but, like, he is a very important cog, not only with his catch and shoots and things like that, but also getting out in transition and scoring uh, that way. He's really aggressive going to the basket when he gets out and runs. And he makes the offense a lot easier. And when you don't have that third or fourth guy who is – 
catching and making shots in, you know, sometimes it's been Alexander Walker. Sometimes it's got, there's got to be some role player that emerges and just knocks down a few shots for them. Right. And to, to like keep Denver like thinking a little bit more about loading up where they do and, and getting them a little uncomfortable. I think that's I wonder a, if he starts. Thing. It, it's possible. I was going to ask you guys, do you think they switch up the starting lineup at it's, all? It's possible. I think they only went with Nikhil in game one because he was awesome in the final play in yeah. game. I mean, this is a really new thing. I mean, Alexander Walker was really good in the Lakers game, really good in the Thunder game, and they kind of just continued to roll with that. And you want to put him on Jamal, I get that. I, I will say, I thought he was really good defensively yeah. in the first half on yeah, Jamal. he's good. And man. then he's Jamal, good. like he usually does, hits one shot, one tough shot, and then he's going. That's like the, always the case with Jamal. But, but in the first half, I thought he was... plays with the second unit, was, though, right? Like, Jamal plays with the second mm -hmm. unit yeah. a lot of the time. So if you didn't start Nikhil... True. Like, then you could still have him guarding at, at that time. True. I just think spacing is yep. so important, and you get more spacing with Torian Prince. And, it, and the most concerning time for the Wolves is when they have their starting five on the floor, like Conley, Ant, Gobert, and Towns. And I, I don't know. I, I think you want to do everything you can to make that work, and I think spacing is probably the best way to do it. TP brings that most. If you don't start Nikhil Alexander-Walker and you do put Gobert on Jokic, first quarter points for Jamal Murray might be my bet tomorrow mm -hmm. when we do this, just because... To me, you're giving him now somebody he's comfortable going with. Mike Conley's too small, as good as he is. Um, Anthony Edwards, I don't think, is he can be a good defender, but you're talking about the pick and roll defense mm -hmm. on, with Jokic, which is its own beast. You know, they're so yeah. good at that that it's even if he can be one on one defender, it's not going to be that. So I just look at that and I go, point. this is mm -hmm. the thing about Denver offensively, is I really do think that they have a solve for, I don't want to say everyone, because they might run into someone that figures them out, but they have a solve for most. And if you're not a great defense, they probably can quickly go to, oh, they went to this, we're going to this, and, and it'll work. That's why I kind of have confidence in that one. Um, the shot making is also interesting because I'm with you. I expect it in games three and four that there's going to be somebody that makes shots where we're like, you got to be kidding. Kyle Anderson's oh, three for, for three. Sure. Mm -hmm. I don't expect that in game two, though. Mm -hmm. yeah. it, it maybe not. I, I guess the one, if you want to be optimistic on the Wolf side, maybe it, hey, they got two days to get their legs yeah. underneath them. To get you know a little bit used to the altitude, all that stuff, and maybe they will just be, you know, a little have a little more juice. Um, and you know, if if you're leaving shots short in game one because you're tired, maybe maybe it's a, you get a little bit more. But these are all things that you're these are all straws you're grasping right. at a little bit with uh, when you're playing a number one seed and you're the eight seed. Like that, there's a reason that that this is it, and and it's going to be matchup problems all over floor. And like getting back to kind of the start where we talked about how. You, you feel kind of good about Jokic and what they did on him. I thought that Jokic was very intentional on, I don't. I can get mine whenever I want. Yeah. So I'm going to get KCP going. I'm going to get Bruce Brown going. I'm going to get Jamal going. And those are the guys that are more sort of like can ride a wave confidence-wise. Right. And so in the playoffs, game one, maybe there's a little nerves. Maybe everyone's wondering about how this is going to go. Don't worry about me. I'm going to get these guys rolling. And then when that happens... I mean, good luck. Like, right. there's just there's no there's no counter to that from the Wolves' perspective. It's really a strategy Jokic has used for most of this season mm -hmm. because the last two years he's had way less help around him than he does right now, and his scoring numbers have been way up just because that's what he had to do to get a win. This whole season, I think, has been like almost a long play from Jokic to so just get true. everybody comfortable. First, it was like Michael Porter. Then it was Jamal. Mm -hmm. Like he's gone in stages of 
like getting everybody up to speed. I think he took three shots in the preseason. Yeah. It was the weirdest thing because he played in three or four games yeah. and he just never shot. And you're yeah. watching this going, is he trolling? Of course, you get to the regular season, he shoots. But I'm telling you, I'm fully aware that other people, when they come in here, we talk about, we're like a cult, you know, like we're talking <laughs> about our deity in this way. But when you watch Yoke this way, you really do pick up on these things where you're like, he is playing the long game on a lot of this stuff of just yeah. like, I'm trying to show the new guys that, if I don't shoot, they don't need to feel jealous about shooting either. And just he was things. never worried in game one because you could so. just see like even there were a couple of times where maybe the Timberwolves are tightening up just a little bit. And then he just did grab it and back it down. All and right. then you got he, either a real easy shot for himself or for someone else. And like he you could just tell he was he was playing from a, a position of I can get mine whenever I want. And so. We will lean on that if we absolutely have to, but we are going to be much better if I can make sure that everyone else yeah. is in the rhythm. Something to watch with Jokic, though. He shot 6-12 of 12 in game one. That's like a bad shooting game from him efficiency-wise, and his wrist was bothering him, it seemed like. I mean, he was icing it at the end of the game. It was in a wrap. It's a year-and-a-half-long injury. It, it's so, something that flares up time and time again. It didn't seem like he had like his perfect you know, 100th percentile touch Right in that mm -hmm. game, yeah. Yeah, he I mean, also was hesitant to take threes, which he generally is. But like, there was a couple times we caught at the top where like, I think you would normally shoot. And that. if Rudy Gobert's on him, he usually looks to shoot threes yeah. in that matchup. But to, matchup to, but draw to John's him out. point, I think that's a sign that he was very comfortable because yeah. that's also yeah. like a right. I have to do this. But last right. th last game, he didn't feel the need to. He didn't have to go to that level. Yeah. But mm -hmm. the wrist is just something to watch. Mm -hmm. we, we were just at practice. He wasn't going through the shooting drills at the end. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. He says it's fine, but it's something to watch. Do you have a mm -hmm. prediction for game? I'll start with you, Dane. How do you think it goes? Well, it's, it's interesting in that the Wolves, when they have had a terrible game all year, have bounced back. Okay. They like, I mean, they're something like, well, like 5 and 11 versus the teams with the five worst records in the league this year. And every one of those, after like every one of those 11 losses, it's been like, Oh my gosh, this team. And you know, it's like one of those losses that you feel like is going to start a losing streak, but they really do like bounce back, like, you know, the classic like short memory or whatever. Right. But, but so what I'm kind of seeing is I think the Wolves bounce back in a major way offensively and kind of like we saw in those, in those other times. I just want to kind of to the last point of like Jokic getting everybody else going. It's like the Nuggets had the punch of Jokic. The Wolves might be able to punch back with that, but then it's the others there too that even, and particularly if it's here in Denver, getting those other guys going while the Wolves are too, I still think that would be too much for the Wolves. Like if this was at home, if this game was back in Minnesota, I wouldn't be surprised if the mm. Wolves won it. I, I wouldn't, which is crazy after how bad that, that first game was, but it just feels like they're going to need to play like a perfect game here and have... Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray like miss shots. That right, that right. that seems and KCP, you know, like and and that's that Denver has worked on avoiding that all year by having so many different options. So it's hard for me to see the Wolves bounce back in that sort of way, but they have. They really have mm -hmm. all all season. Yeah, I think like to that point, I mean, if you were to poll the NBA about what their thoughts are of the Timberwolves, it, they would say Carl Anthony Towns is soft, Rudy Gobert is soft. But that the 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 toughness and the fiber of this team during the season has sort of spoken uh, opposite of that mm -hmm. in terms of they do find some resilience to when they are totally against the wall um, come out fighting and, and and have a good game now maybe that's game three if they get throttled in game two um, and do it that way but 
Um, to me, it's just like, unless they find a way to get Anthony Edwards to be more of the Anthony Edwards that was through the first three quarters of the season, uh, it's going to be a really, really short series. Um, the middle of the season. He, he's yes. the guy, the that I don't, he's yeah, yeah, the guy sure. I don't think Denver can give confidence to. Yeah, right, exactly. He's, he's the one guy who can sort of, if he is right, can physically well, pay, yeah. overwhelm anyone that you put in front of him, whether it's Denver, or the Lakers, whoever it is. And so, but he just hasn't gotten to that point. Now, does two days off, does a few things, does that help with that? But that's their only chance. I do think, like, I think it will be a closer game in game mm -hmm. two. I think that the Me Wolves too. will will execute a little better. Carl Anthony Towns will hit some, hit some shots, and it will be a, a bit of a tighter game. Um, but unless Ant becomes the, oh, my God, I can't believe he just made that shot, Ant, um, they're going to lose, and then it'll be 2-0 going back to Minneapolis. Denver has so many guys to put on them, too. Yep. Like, KCP did a good job, Bruce Brown off the bench, and then even, like, if it isn't the two bigs out there, Aaron Gordon can guard them at right. times, too. Like, they, I think Denver matches up really well with yep. this with this Wolves team. I, I will say Denver's never, in this this era, the Jokic-Malone era, they've never been up 2-0. Hmm. So this is uncharted territory. We've they also have, never had all these good defenders, like you say, to put on an well, Anthony Edwards. Half, half of the Jokic era playoff part has been with a team severely injured, yeah. so shorthanded, but that's part of it. But also, even in their first two good years, the deeper runs they made, game sevens, you know. Nuggets comebacks. have never won a series in the Jokic era in less than six games. Yeah. Well, so. and, I mean, and speaking of that, too, like, it, it, you have to mention, like, if if the Wolves had Jane McDaniels and Nas Reed, mm -hmm. this is a different series. Oh, yeah, like sure. this is a totally different. They have a, a few more options to throw at them to make them a little more versatile, and they just don't. And so now they're running yeah, seven. Yeah, the and Wolves a half have guys. got seven. I mean, that yeah. that's a huge part of this is a, yeah. a lack of depth. And in theory, that's a place where you should be able to hurt Denver, right? Mm -hmm. Like should be able to dominate the non-cap minute or the yeah. non-Jokic minutes, right? And it just the bench is just so thin right now. I wonder if that might be an adjustment if we see somebody we didn't see like at all. <laughs> um, in in the first game, this is one of rotation. the hard parts about Minnesota, though, because I played this game as well. <laughs> we start going down here, Austin like, River, yeah, 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 yeah Austin right. River, hey, you're just Josh like, might not, know. baby. Yeah. Josh <laughs> man, he killed it yeah. summer league. Um, I will say this, Harrison. I get your take real quick, but the Nuggets to me do have a different energy than I've ever seen from them before, including at today's practice. They're just very confident, but not confident as in cocky. They're just very relaxed. As you were talking about, Jokic never seemed bothered. I, that's just the mood I get from the team. Michael Malone, the players, there's a confidence about they've been in the playoffs a lot and they've been through a lot of different battles. And I think they just kind of know like, oh, we've seen this. We know where this goes from here. We know yeah. like, almost like they're seeing the next four adjustments and they're like, we're just prepared for all of that. Whereas with Minnesota, even hearing you guys the way you're talking about the series and talking about the structure of the team and what they've gone through this year, it's very much reminds me of Denver four years ago where it's mm -hmm. like they just don't have a lot of this experience. So they almost don't see that many different variations ahead. That, so my, that's my opinion of saying I feel pretty good about Denver, and I think Denver feels really good about themselves. I agree, and I think a reason why is because going back years and even this season, the Nuggets have seen so many different defenses and different coverages and different adjustments because Nico Jokic is just a player that you're forced to adjust to in creative and different ways game to game. And... Um, like, they've seen what happens when a guy like Kyle Anderson guards him. Like, P.J. Tucker guarded him in Philly that game and, and shut him down in that second half. Like, they've seen that. They've seen so many different adjustments. So, I'm with you. I think there's just an overall confidence. I think they're trying not to be too cocky. Sure. Like, they're actively trying to be like, all right, let's just let's get game two. <laughs> 
Um, Cocky's just not their personality, right? So yeah. like, but they, but so confidence toes up to that. Like, yeah, they're just not that personality. Well, yeah, they're, they're very confident. Uh, let's take a break. On the other side, I want to wrap up with a quick segment here, talking about the year that they've had, because of course we have a bunch of people over there. Chris Finch, mm-hmm. Tim Conley, uh, Austin Rivers. Is Britton Forbes still there? No, he's, no. he's, he's, he's gone. gone. Yeah, All right, well, there's three left. of them. Mike and Nori, there's four. Mike and Nori. Yeah. I like Mike and Nori. <laughs> okay. You know who so, else does? So does Nico Jokic. Nico Jokic yes. shouted him out today. <laughs> Absolutely. Best buds. Uh, Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Make sure to pick up some Avalanche Amber Ale. Avs game one of the playoffs is tonight at Ball Arena. Oh, my goodness. Hold on a second. Tonight? Avs tomorrow Nuggets yeah Thursday Avs yep Friday Nuggets Saturday Avs Sunday Nuggets Woo! not great for hotel prices <laughs> in, in town, I'll tell you that. good for DNVR sports <laughs> yeah but very good for, for this place though like <laughs> this place will be packed tomorrow uh, but if you're at home pick up some Breck Brew pick up some Avalanche Amber Ale if you don't know where to get where to get it check out the Breck Brew beer locator on their website that will tell you exactly where to get Breck Brew. Uh, Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. Also, uh, shout out Circle K. We're so excited to partner with our friends over at Circle K. Check out your local Circle K for the best coffee, beer, and snack selection. They do and have the best coffee. premium gas as well. If you're stopping for a gas station coffee, I'm telling you. It's got to be Circle K. It's got to be Circle K. Um, snacks, great deals, great prices, great coffee, like you said. Tons of different locations as well. Thanks to Circle K for sponsoring DNVR. Visit the nearest Circle K to pick up all of your favorite finds. There we go. All right. Last segment here. Denver Sports Podcast and DNVR Nuggets Podcast with Dane Moore. Check him out. Great podcast, the Dane Moore Basketball Podcast. One of the most popular basketball podcasts in the world. I check the charts all the time. Dane right up there with Zach Lowe. It's like Zach Lowe, Dane Moore. <laughs> We should, As a we, credit to Wolves fans, man. Yeah, we gotta we gotta name the podcast after ourselves. Yeah, that's Zach it. Lowe. That's what it was. That's is the this you Adam wanting to name the podcast just, after yourself? Can we start calling it the Adam Mata's Basketball I mean, Podcast featuring Harrison? Wayne? You have more pull on this than I would. So. <laughs> and then, of course, all the great stuff at the Athletic and John Krasinski and everything he does. So, guys. <laughs> There's no nothing funnier than when the people you like, a player you love, goes to another team. And like, let's be all honest, we all love players for different reasons. Like Wancho, love Wancho. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wancho. Love Wancho. Love Wancho. We can actually yeah. make this the whole show. We can make this the Wancho show. But like, if you were asked me, like, is Malik. Wancho gonna be good in his next stop? I'd have been like, yeah. probably not. <laughs> But, you know, we really love Tim Conley, uh, the character that he is. And obviously, he brought us Nikola Jokic. You know, I owe him (laughs) my career, (laughs) to be honest with you. Uh, But even Chris Finch and Mike Nori, I really enjoyed in their time here. I mean, all three of those guys I would describe as chill. But then I go on Reddit and Mm. I go on Twitter and I kind of check around. And it's a complete opposite experience, it seems, uh, in Minnesota. Like, kind of where are we at now that it's been a full season? Yeah, I mean, it's here's the the first first part of it. Just like from a macro perspective, is whenever every anything isn't going perfectly right, sports fans want everyone fired. Yeah, like that's just the way that it is. Yep. Uh, Tim Conley's got to be fired. Chris Finch has got to be fired, and there is that there is no other adjustment or reaction to it than get these guys out of here now. Tim Connolly's first move, Rudy Gobert and, and yeah. paying the house for that. It it's a it's been a bad trade, and he overpaid. And every even in, in the moment, you're like, wow, you really overpaid for that. But then seeing what they've gotten from Rudy and how it has affected things, it has made it very difficult. Uh, I think locally for Tim, um, which you know I've known him well for a long, long time. I think he's a really, really smart guy. 
Um, I think he has a great eye for talent. Uh, people make bad trades. Like, that happens all the time. Unfortunately, he's made a bad one here, and that's right now kind of his legacy and the thing that he is, that he is fighting. And, it, it you know, I, I kind of, and you guys would know this better and maybe can speak to it more, but I've heard kind of stories about how Tim's first year or two in Denver, he was uh, on the hot seat and things were not going well. And, it was a disaster, his yeah, first several moves. And, and, yeah. and, and, like, it was kind of like, what is this guy doing? Does he know what he's doing? And how long is he going to be here? Eventually he gets Jokic. Then it's, it's not, but it's not just Jokic, which is what I tell people back home is everyone's, oh, he got lucky with Jokic in the second round. No, it's Jamal Murray. It's Aaron Gordon. It's like, they He made a lot of good margin moves too, yeah. but they're all, there's a pattern to all of his good moves. He identified a depressed asset, usually a young one, and mm -hmm. brought him in. So either it was a Will Barton-esque trade or it was a draft player in the second round or something like this. Even Gordon was that. Even, yeah. yeah, even Aaron Gordon, I think. He to was a, a depressed asset at yeah, that Yeah, he was a depressed people asset. People forget not a lot of people were very excited about trying to get Aaron Gordon mm -hmm. like at that trade. Right, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, that's why he went for the price that yeah. he went for. Mm -hmm. um, but the trade part, I mean, even Denver will tell you, Nurkic... Denver added a pick to yeah. send Nurkic away, yeah. which mm -hmm. ended up getting Mason Plumlee. And you think, come on, man, like those guys right. are at best equals mm -hmm. or at worst equals. So I do think that the trade thing, I'm almost, it, that's, the, that's the part of like, if you check all the boxes of what is he good and what is he bad at, the trade part to me is one that you're like, I don't know, man. That's the one that I don't know that he's done and a then, great job. But of. then he did, like, I mean, then he flipped D'Lo for Conley, Alexander Walker in three seconds, and that's a really good deal. I really, so. and again, that, but that's another margin that's, one. That's yes. the margin yep. ones yep. exactly. Yep. He, he's yep. been great on the margin. I mean, Kyle Anderson for the mid level, great was, player, was a was a great margin move. But yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna Remembered be judged by the the Gobert trade, yeah. and the Gobert trade has a cascading impact yeah, on the Q scores of everybody else too, because. Mm -hmm. You know, it 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 impacts it impacts everything, and it, it's impacted Anthony Edwards this year. It's impacted Chris Finch. Like mm -hmm. we we last year, I mean, the word was Chris Finch is the best coach in Timberwolves history, mm -hmm. uh, which is not a high bar. But like, <laughs> I mean, but actually, I mean, I I was of that mind. I mean, yep. Flip is before my time, but that's the, the the only competition there. I would say to kind of transition off of Conley, like sure. to the Finch point of it. Like this has been a tough year for Finch because he's really stayed glued to the whole Finchian flow type of offense, which is his that is his identity as a coach. But I in my opinion, all year it's been painfully obvious that this team needs more structure right. in terms of the personnel. Right. And then like you got Rudy Gobert, who all he the only success he has ever had offensively is in the utmost structured offense and it's been it's been a bad I don't think Finch should be fired but it's been a bad Finch year um they they tried to post up Gobert a ton the first 20 games of the year which was like what you know <laughs> what, what what is happening here and it's been a lot of that stuff which ultimately gets you when you factor in injuries and all those sort of things where you're like I have no idea what this team's identity is and here we are in the playoffs right you know that to some extent is is on the coach uh but the move Without that move, we're not having this yeah. conversation about Finch, I think. Was there ever a point in the season where you feel like it was sort of, you know, going the other direction? Like, all right, people are coming around on the, the vision. I mean, they... Nas, Nas week? Right, yeah, Nas week. Like, uh, <laughs> they, they went on the West Coast. Um, they beat Golden State on the road. They beat Sacramento on the road. Back to back. That's two great wins. Um, and they were... And, and, and not, the big identity made sense. Yes. It was the first time all year because they kept big. They stayed two bigs, two centers... The whole time and it was giving those teams problems yep and and you were like okay that i actually see this here 
Then they go to Phoenix after the, the Sacramento game. Nas tries to dunk on Biombo, breaks his wrist, and there goes the the big identity. Um, and and it kind of, it, but it also kind of shows sort of the fragility of the whole thing because yeah. you should you should be able to absorb the loss of your seventh best player mm-hmm. right. in in a, in a more in a less damaging fashion than what it has been. And yeah. so that's it. But yes, there was a point right there where it was starting to come around, and then you were saying, hey, they could be a tough matchup for anyone in the in the first round of the playoffs, the way that they can kind of throw different looks at them and have the, the, and just the overall talent from top to bottom. When you're talking like Jaden McDaniels is your fifth best player and Nas is your seventh and all that, like all of a sudden you're like, Hey, these guys have legit right. talent on this team that could put a scare into a lot of teams. And then you lose Nas, you lose Jaden and Rudy has this back thing now. And I mean, it's just like, it's, it's really kind of teetered back totally the other way. I think so much of this, tell me if you agree with this, I just think some of it comes down to your star players. And the most interesting thing, again, I don't say any of this with confidence because I don't know the Wolves well enough. But when you guys were talking about the structured offense and maybe some frustration from players from having to do all this stuff, a lot of this makes me think, if you haven't been there before, meaning to the playoffs and not even just, the, they got swept in the Jimmy Butler era and you know whatever, but when you haven't actually gone deep into the playoffs, you don't realize these things as much of, it's not important to give your players the easy thing, like, oh, he's good at this, so we're going to do that. Because mm-hmm. in the playoffs, teams take that away. It's how much can you solve everything and how much can you do all these different things. So I understand in some ways the way you guys are talking about this in, in terms of towns and maybe give him a little bit more structure here and there. But there's another part of it where I'm, if you are, Towns is so talented. He's yeah. so ridiculously skilled and talented. And I think... But you have to do the hard thing. <laughs> like yeah. you know, you don't get to do the easy thing all the time. I mean, and this is one of the things I think about Jokic, and part of what I think is so special is he really is fine doing the I'm not gonna shoot tonight, or I'm gonna sure. only shoot, or I'm gonna play out here, I'm gonna play over here. He just is so open. I mean, even the other day he goes into the game and what does he say in the post game? It wasn't my call. What other superstar doesn't have some input on when when and how he plays? Yeah. But I just don't think he does because he doesn't he's like I do my job, you do yours, that's how we do it. Yeah. And also, like, this was so obvious in game one, but, like, the Nuggets are a team that has been relatively healthy yeah. most of this season. Oh, it's a huge part Their of Their starting five has played more than pretty much every starting five in the NBA. They just have a system. They have chemistry, culture. They just know how to play together with their eyes closed. And Minnesota, expectedly, like, of course, is a team that looks like they're missing two key rotation players. And is just getting Carl Towns back into the lineup. And like, there's so much uncertainty. That How much was, of that do you think is coaching versus Jokic? Like Adam did the, the Jokic part of it. Like if you had to assign percentages to that. Um, I'd say it's the majority of Jokic. But I think the same about Greg Popovich. Tim Duncan yeah, was yeah, yeah. a guy that was yeah. famously allowed him to coach. I mean, that's what he credited him for at the Jersey yeah. retirement. Michael Malone is like very militant in his approach and like we're gonna do this and this and this and routine oriented and we're gonna prepare like like Which for every seems game. Like it fits what Adam is saying, like you do your job, I do my right. job type right. of situation. Right. I think to the Finch point, and maybe more specifically with him, I mean, and those two are like cool, but they are both very chill people. And yeah. and it's like so they're kind of chosen to both be on the opposite side <laughs> of the spectrum together. And yeah. I like and I, don't this, know about I that. like this take that to succeed in a free flowing offense, you need a 
dictator coach. <laughs> I like this. Because if you're too relaxed and your system is too relaxed, it's like double negatives. <laughs> it might something be, honestly. Like yeah. There might be something to yeah, it. Yeah, but the Nuggets, like the chemistry that they have, that's been something that's been built all season. Mm-hmm. Like they've been building that from game one. And mm-hmm. like yeah, you're seeing the results. Sacramento, now. too. Like they're, they're yeah. one of the healthiest teams all season. Right. And they, that's last year, the Wolves were very, very healthy. Right. And they won 47 games, 46 games, and got and put the scare into Memphis. And this year they are flailing a little bit. And, you know, fans don't want to hear it. Like, and under, I, I get that. Like, oh, well, you, p- people get hurt all the time. But, like, this, these are factors right. that, that do muddy the waters. I, if, if, they, if everyone had stayed healthy the whole year long, would, would, it, it's very possible that this whole experiment still would not have worked. And that um, that's the scary part of yes. this is is this idea that they're going to run it back and and they're going to do it because they have ample excuse. I mean, back to training camp, Gobert just came back from World Cup and Towns was out with some terrible strep throat or whatever, and like there was never any time to get real momentum yeah. going. And then you have the injuries, but that does not rule out the fact that this might inherently be broken. Right. And so now you've. You potentially, if you're the Wolves, are just kicking the can down the road. Though, I think if it was me and John running it too, but that's probably what we would do just because you are so, I mean, the term I always use is like pot committed to this. Right. But it's scary. It's, it's, it's pot committed to a pot that the odds aren't right. in your favor. Yeah, and right. and that, that's it's tough. It's tough when you have no picks. <laughs> I'm just such a big believer in your star players have to, they have to like mature in a way that is almost unreasonable for the guys that are 22 23 mm. when they're becoming yeah. being handed all this they have to like see that I, I mean you think about Jokic could say like I like working out of the post we should go more post-ups it's easier for me but the fact that their offense is so like you don't know if it's post if it's elbow if it's right. pick and roll handoff that's what makes them so good so that's just why I'm always a little skeptical if Jamal Murray said he just wanted more pick and rolls we got to change the offense to fit his best skill set or Michael yeah. Porter and wants more ISOs because that's what he's most comfortable with. Denver not ever doing that is part of what I think has made them into this offensive juggernaut yeah. that they really do have all boxes checked. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we'll see. Tonight, I mean, the funny thing about this is every single game one, you feel like you know exactly how it yeah. is. I don't think you know until at least game two and really game three what the texture of a, of a series is going to be. And right now it just feels like an overwhelming Denver Nuggets series. Well, they won by 29 points. 29 points, and it, it didn't even feel that close. But I do think game <laughs> two is going to take on a completely different personality. Might have a of similar course. outcome, might have a different one. Um, and so you have to always couch all of your takes with, eh, we'll see what happens. And with forward. this Wolves team, too, yep. man. It, you don't know what you are going to get. At all. You, you just don't. Yeah. Um, well, I'm looking forward to it. He is Dane Moore. Dane Moore Basketball Podcast. Anything to promote? Yeah. No, I mean, I'm just kind of doing daily pods like you guys are, too. If people want to listen, I get it actually makes sense that a Nuggets yeah. person would want to listen to a Wolves it podcast. Should. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just have like guys like John and the other reporters on pretty much every day. And uh, yeah, we're just we're just talking about like you guys do. If you guys are like me, you know, I commute to work. I hop in my car and I'm like, let me see my NBA podcast. None of them on the Nuggets, <laughs> which admittedly wasn't exactly an interesting game. No, but there was like you kind of go through. You're all excited. Yep. You're like, Man, nobody's talking. Well, about the this MVP at all. race is over. So now I the know, Nuggets can go else. back on the back That's burner so of every podcast. <laughs> uh, he's John Kaczynski of The Athletic. John, what are you working on? Uh, yeah, just a, a bunch of 
of playoff coverage at The Athletic with myself. Uh, Tony Jones is covering the Nuggets yep. during yep. Uh, the playoffs, which is really cool. For We've wanted to get Nuggets coverage for a long, long time. So if you are thinking about subscribing or if you already are a subscriber to The Athletic and don't know, Tony Jones is, is writing a ton. Nick Kosmider as well on the Nuggets. And, and then you can catch me uh, on the Wolf side if you're looking for that perspective. And Tony well. has the Utah experience too, yep. which, is, which I think Physical is cool. Physical Bear here. experience. Yep. Yep. Interesting. Conley, yeah. yeah, all those guys. We yeah. like our Minnesota contingent. Jay yeah. Frederick as well. Yep. You got, uh, um, you know, you got a lot of good people over there. So I like it. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in today. Hit that like button on the way out, and then tomorrow, come to the DMVR bar. The best place to go is the arena. But if you're not going there, come to the DMVR bar. We're gonna have a good time. We'll see you guys then. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah Green and hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com